Well, last week we talked about, I think you can only call <laughs> pretty reckless and provocative behavior by Chinese military pilots in what we're told are international waters. Canadian pilots and Australian pilots monitoring uh, the UN sanctions on North Korea have reported these Chinese fighters coming within like 20 feet of their surveillance planes, close enough that they can clearly see when, get this, the Chinese pilots are giving them the finger mid-flight. So what's going on? Why are they doing this? We're going to have a conversation about that with Margaret McQuaig-Johnson, a senior fellow at the University of Ottawa's Institute for Science, Society and Policy and the University of Ottawa's Graduate School of Public and International Affairs. Uh, Ms. McQuaig-Johnson, thanks so much for your time. appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for inviting me, Shay. So this this behavior, obviously, on the surface, I mean, you hear it, it, it sounds shocking, really inflammatory. Um, are, are, are we missing something? Is this sort of expected behavior from analysts, or is it completely out of what you would anticipate being normal behavior? Well, it's certainly not normal behavior for most countries, um, but we've seen in the last five years that China is becoming more and more aggressive and uh, it's, it's certainly we saw that with the, the detentions and trade sanctions against Canada. Um, they've made aggressive actions against their neighbors, uh, taking land from India and Bhutan and overfishing in the waters of other countries. And it's really as if Xi Jinping thinks that to be a superpower, he has to project a fierce identity. But in fact, he would uh, get a lot more done, I think, if, I mean, more effectively, if he uh, led as a collaborator like his predecessors did. Okay, so this is, you know, sort of a, a continuation of, I guess you could call it aggressive, certainly pr- provocative behavior by the Chinese regime. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one more ramping up. It's adding right. another dimension to this aggressive behavior. And I think there are two reasons that they're doing this now. Uh, one is that they have been. Uh, saying that uh, the East China Sea is their territory, same with the South China Sea, uh, but this is the East China Sea. And so they're, they're saying to Canada, um, this is our territory, you don't have a right to be here. Right. Uh, Canada and the UN see this as international territory, and Canada and the U.S. and uh, other countries have been asked to monitor um, the trade sanctions, and so we have every right to be in that airspace. So explain that to me. How can there be this kind of dispute around what are international waters and what are Chinese territory? I mean, how can there be this? Because it, it, it's a pretty wide area that we're talking about here. It's not like it's you know a, a small adjustment. It, it's a pretty big area. How, how, how does that dispute come around? Well, um, for some time now, China has uh, asserted that it has jurisdiction over Taiwan and certain islands off Japan and South Korea, and also uh, even stretching to the Philippines. And so this is another another uh, dimension to this assertion that they've been trying to make, which uh, they're getting pu- pushback from other other countries, but they're trying to exercise, you know, kind of like um, elbows, sharp elbows up. Um, in the South China Sea, they've been doing this by building up the islands um, with their military infrastructure. Um, but there's another reason as well that they could be doing this, and that is that it may be possible that they are, in fact, supporting North Korea right. by importing and exporting 
products that they're not supposed to under the UN sanctions, and they don't like people watching that and watching for it, and they certainly don't want to be caught out doing it. So pushing away uh, Canadian aircraft it could be one reason that the, uh, that they're doing that. Do we have any other evidence or information that tells us that that might be what is at the heart of this, and it's not really over territory, it's over the fact that they are assisting North Korea and they don't want to, as you say, be caught doing it? Well, we know more broadly they've been helping North Korea economically and uh, financially. Um, And, you know, North Korea is an autocratic country, and they're becoming closer to other autocratic countries like uh, Russia and um, uh, Saudi Arabia and, uh, and, uh, you know, Venezuela. Uh, So this is perhaps another uh, signal that, uh, that, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, helping uh, North Korea tangibly uh, with exports and and imports. In the past, back in um, the uh, 2000s, uh, China itself had sanctions against North Korea because it was um, uh, conducting missile um, launches, as as you described. But, uh, But we have a new regime in China now that's much more aggressive and much more friendly to other autocratic countries, which doesn't mean that they're allies of China. China doesn't have friends and allies. They have um, vassal states that are supposed to do what they're told. They have um, markets for their products, and they have countries that they can use. Um, And so, uh, you know, North Korea uh, is probably one of those. The risk here, obviously, uh, is is enormous, and and not even if it's you know an actual um, deliberate act. It's more likely when you've got planes in this kind of proximity that an accident could happen, and we could have an international incident just like that. That's right, and in fact, I'm seriously concerned that that's what China is setting up, because they say that there will be grave consequences if there's an accident, and Canada would be at fault. And they're accusing uh, Canada, the U.S., Australia of being in Chinese territory. And, um, and so it's possible that they're laying out a plan for if there's an accident, their immediate go-to line will be that it's our fault. Hmm. So what's the, what do you anticipate happening next? Like the U.N., Canada, Australia can't say, okay, we're going we're gonna to back off, we're going to stand down, we're going to stop the flights. Um, what comes next? Well, um, Canada says it's going to be raised at the Security Council. Melanie Jolie, our foreign minister, said that. We have a very, very strong ambassador at the UN, uh, Bob Ray, who is very principled and is, is frankly, the, the strongest ambassador we've had in, in years, many years, and strongest at the UN among all his his colleagues. Uh, so I think he's he's likely very proactive on this, um, and the government, uh, the prime minister, has said this is a UN mission, uh, and uh, Canada stands up for uh, its actions, and China is being irresponsible and provocative, and so we'll continue to object to these actions, and we'll uh, we'll be having discussions with our own friends and allies. Uh, we have to collaborate with a lot of other countries in order to push back effectively and neutralize China. We can't do it alone. Um, in the, you know, when we had the detention of the Michaels, 
uh, Canada led a declaration on arbitrary detention, uh, which got 68 other countries plus the EU uh, all saying that the, this kind of action is wrong. And now uh, Canada is developing an action plan with teeth to go behind it. And uh, so there are things like that that we can do uh, with our with our allies. And I'm sure there will be lots of uh, discussion of, of that kind of thing. And in the meantime, I'm sure that what's called Operation Neon, which this is this UN surveillance uh, initiative, will continue to go ahead. Uh, we can't just let North Korea uh, do what it wants on this. Uh, You know, monitoring is essential if we're going to enforce these sanctions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it has to be an international effort. Um, Ms. McQuaig-Johnson, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us.